everybody. Lynn Smith here. Welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all on together, created by Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. As always, my producer Justin here. Hi, Justin. Hey, Lynn. How are you feeling? I feel good. I'm feeling confident. (laughs) Can you hear it in my voice? I have to say, as adults, we all have a hard time understanding confidence. So you can imagine how important this topic (sighs) is for kids. Big time. I mean, my daughters are six and four, and they both Mm -hmm. take ballet. And they have very different reactions when they're going into ballet class. Uh, One of them walks right in confidently, finds her spot, stares at herself in the mirror naturally. Uh, The other nervous, anxious, waits at the door, doesn't want to go in. And it changes over the course of the class once we finally get her through the door, but there's a stumbling block there, and I think it's confidence-based. We're dealing with this with our son, where the teacher gave us a heads up that he's struggling a bit reading out loud. Not the reading comprehension, Mm. but reading out loud, and she thinks it's more of a confidence issue. She thinks that he's afraid of not doing it right, and so he's not as confident in doing it. So there's so many different facets to this idea of confidence. We're going to hear from an expert on this subject, author, TED speaker, and parent, Suzanne Brown. She's going to help define what confidence looks like in our kids and then talk about ways that we can help instill it into their lives. Then you'll hear a story of a family having the confidence in their daughter to take an idea that was hers all the way to the TV show Shark Tank and well beyond. It's such a great episode. Let's jump right in. Suzanne, first, thank you so much for being with us. I I feel like this is a topic, it can feel a little abstract, right? What do you think makes a confident child? Because it is so abstract, a simple way to think about it is you want your child to be comfortable in his or her own skin. You want them to feel like, okay, I can take new things on. I'm able to experiment. I know what my boundaries are. I know what I'm capable of. And that can start at a really young age. And then it just progresses over time. I like that explanation because there could be some confusion between confidence and arrogance. It's not being a little kid and being like, I'm good at everything. I can do anything I want to do. It's I feel certain in myself to be able to take on new challenges. I have a good example of my own oldest son, he said to me when we were starting basketball, he said, I don't want to do basketball. And I started asking him why. And he said, because I'm not good at it. And I thought to myself like, oh, wow, I'm clearly not teaching confidence well. In that kind of situation, I explained to him, well, that's how we get good at something, by trying it. And maybe, maybe we fail sometimes, and then we get closer to succeeding at it. How do you have those conversations with kids about becoming more confident in their own skin? So I think you actually kind of hit the nail on the head. It's not about perfection. It -hmm. is about trying things because part of being confident is being okay with failing. Shifting away from the idea of practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress. Mm. And being able to, to share that with your child and not say, oh, look, you made 10 baskets at the basketball game, but it was, I saw you running so hard. You were doing so well with passing. And that was exactly what your coach was trying to to teach you. You're giving them the confidence in building the skills and not, not having essentially like your love attached to, look at how many baskets you made, or you made first chair for violin. You're giving them that permission to try new things out, to say, you know, I love this. I'm not that good at it, but does that even matter? Yeah. 
It's a hard concept for us adults to even think about because that perfection piece is so challenging. I mean, I hear this from my son all the time. Well, I need it to be perfect. It has to be perfect. And we have to explain to them nothing's perfect, but how do we do that? It starts with being able to model behavior. As a parent, you want to be able to talk to your child and say, you know what, I struggle with this. This was hard, or I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. And being able to walk through your own experience can normalize it. You give your child a lot of different opportunities to experiment. That can be trying out sports. It can be trying out different activities like art or music or parkour or whatever. (laughs) Whatever they like. I'll give an example in in my own situation. I have two young boys and they they were climbers when they were really young. Like end up on the, the top of the fridge climbers, okay? And I got so tired of saying, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And so instead of continuing to say no, I signed us up for a mommy and me gymnastics class. And so Mm -hmm. that helped them understand what are their bodies capable of. Honestly, part of the reason for doing that was so that they learned how to fall the right way. You want your kids to fail. I I know that 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 is a challenge. (laughs) It sounds counterintuitive. Yes, it does. To fail and then pick themselves back up, right? They fail and the world didn't end you can try again. We can take what we learned and apply it somewhere else, you know, because you you want that failure to literally just be part of the process because it is much harder to build in the willingness to fail in an adult than it is to have that be in a child from the very beginning and just have it just grow over time. That's what I'm thinking. When can this begin? It really does start at the very beginning. It's just in how you treat your child. It's not... Mm-hmm the focus on the end result. It's the focus on, let's see if we do it this way instead of that way. Trying becomes much more normal in their minds instead of, this is the right way. This is the only yes. way. You know, it's, it even creates tolerance in what they're willing to, to do eventually in a classroom or on a field or on a stage or whatever it is they become passionate about and move forward with. When it comes to kids that struggle with confidence, if we're seeing that they are not able to put themselves out there, how do we get them out of their shell? Creating the steps. You know, it's like writing the letter C before you write the letter S. You want your child to be comfortable with being a beginner over and over and over. We need that even Mm -hmm. as adults, or we never try anything new. And so it's not oh, I'm a tennis champion, so I'm not going to try anything else. It's, no, remember how you had to practice and practice and practice and try, and we had to do this and we had to do that. Like Being able to walk them along that path, part of it could be that you bring along other people in the community, and that can be an older child. It could be a sibling. It can be a neighbor who has nothing to do with what it is that, that you want your child to be more confident in. But having that support of people who they know and of people who they don't know, people want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last piece is knowing when to get outside help. It might be that you need a speech therapist to have somebody who becomes more confident with speaking. You might need more help from, from the coach and to say, hey, can we find some time, even if it's 10 minutes before official practice, to help with XYZ. Or it might be that you ask a a teacher to help after school. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that it's okay to talk to somebody who specializes in this 
having them be comfortable with reaching out to actual professionals like a mental health professional, normalizing of asking for help. Yeah, that's hard as an adult, right? So if we do that from a young age of it's okay to get help with these things, you get more and more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that sabotages us as adults is like that voice in our head, you're really going to screw this up or you're going to look so silly if you do this. Do you think that kids have that same kind of voice in their head that's telling them, if you, if this isn't perfect, you're going to get in trouble? Whatever it is that they are afraid of, and what would you do to help them overcome that? So this is part of the reason why it's so important for you to think about the words that you use with your child, because at least part of the voice in their head is you, mm-hmm. right? It's you as a parent saying, okay, don't worry about the end result. Try one step. What does the process look like? How are you enjoying the time with your friends? And it's not about, you're going to keep practicing until you get this perfect. That's not what you're saying to your child. And so it's that mindset of you can do it. There are also children that might be experiencing a lot of anxiety. So how do we face that? When, when our kids are anxious, what do we do to help them build some of the confidence through that? As a parent, if you have a child who is dealing with anxiety, it's really hard for you to concentrate on anything else. Mm -hmm. That element kind of permeates throughout your life. And as your child has anxiety in one area, it can start to kind of move over to other places. It's that questioning Mm -hmm. of, well, I couldn't do that, so can I really do this? Now sort of snowballs. Exactly. Now, on the flip side, the positivity snowballs too. So mm-hmm. if you can build confidence in one area, you can help them bring that along to other areas in their life. Whether it's in an activity, it can be in how they approach a problem. You can show them it didn't work here. And, and that's okay. You survived. We survived. I still love you. Your friends still think you're amazing. Finally, do you feel like you were a confident kid? I was a very confident kid. (laughs) Why? What do you think um, your parents did that was really significant? My parents absolutely said, anything you put your mind to, you are going to, you're going to achieve. The difference is though, that when they talked to me, they said, you're going to figure it out. My parents really ingrained this whole idea of experimenting because they gave me the permission. And I will say quite bluntly, I tried a lot of things. And probably failed at some of them. And that's probably what led to the many things that you did great. If you can come to terms as a parent with not thinking my child is going to be the next Olympian and just (laughs) this is something that my child is going to enjoy. can be fun. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's one thing that I have, I took from my parents and I definitely apply with my own children. Well, and I love that you say permission to explore and also permission to hit the bumps and fall over and pick yourself back up. That seems like the real key to raising a confident child. Suzanne Brown, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an important topic. So thank you for talking about it. What I took away here is there's no magic solution. Confidence is a step-by-step process. That's exactly right. And um, I took it a step further and did a little research on confidence and creativity. I found this book by Tom Kelly about creativity. Here's a quote. 
Creativity, far from requiring rare gifts and skills, depends on what you believe you can do with the talents mm. and skills you already have. Yep. And so to explain that, creativity is directly connected to confidence. It's about believing in your ideas. Mm -hmm. Now we're feeling confident in our understanding of confidence. So I want to share a story from Lori Crowley, whose daughter invented something and ended up on Shark Tank at only 10 wow. years old. Yeah, can you imagine? I built a tree fort when I was 10, and that did not get me on Shark Tank. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Someday, Justin. But in the <laughs> meantime, here's our correspondent, Fleece, with the parenting story of the day. Lori Crowley is the mother of three children in Honolulu, Hawaii. Cassidy is her middle daughter. So I think Cassidy's story and journey really began when she was probably around two years old. We had a craft corner where we had just kind of glue and scratch paper, scissors. My older daughter was four. So, you know, we kind of had coloring books and things out for her. But Cassidy would be the one kind of diving into the old shoe boxes, trying to punch holes, you know, with her pencil and connect rubber bands and strings. I remember even my husband and I, we would wake up and we hear like scissors cutting paper and we're like, who's that, you know, out of bed before we even woke up and we come and look and there's Cassidy. We think that was probably the start of everything, just that natural desire to communicate and craft. As Cassidy entered grade school, she continued her thoughtful, crafty ways. Then in first grade, she brought home a paper that was to enter a science fair and she was the one who said, hey mom, I want to do this. And so we're like, oh, sure, great. You know, school activity, of course. And she's like, they told me just to look around my house and find something that I could fix. We were having dinner and kind of talking about it. And her younger sister, Emily, was playing with her long spoon while she was eating baby food. She would kind of like gum it while I would take another spoon and feed her. I would all say, Emily, Emily, stop. I don't want you to poke your throat. And then Cassidy was sitting at dinner and she's like, I'm going to make a better spoon for, for Emily. And I was like, okay, great. You know, that sounds like a great idea. So she, of course, went off to her little craft corner and she grabbed plastic spoons and bath toys and she started to come up with her own little prototype. I'm going to stick this bath toy on so that the baby can't put the bath toy in the mouth and she won't poke her throat with that long spoon. It's kind of amazing, actually, when I think about it. Like she just took things around the house and she was able to kind of get it to work, I guess, what idea was in her head. Cassidy refused to give up on her idea and started to think of bigger and better ways she could build her innovative baby spoon. The original is made of this moldable plastic that we ordered online. When it dries, it dries hard in whatever plastic form. She was then able to craft and create a fun animal design. That's where we ended up with the elephant. We needed a name. So she said, Mom, it's like a toy spoon. So it's a baby tune. Instead of a baby spoon, it's a baby toy and spoon. So baby tune was born. It was a typical science project that you present at school. And she actually received great feedback. And then, you know, a, a seven-year-old getting great feedback from teachers and judges. She's like, we got to go on because the last phase of that project said, what are your next steps? Her next steps were to actually package it, manufacture it, sell it, 
And her thing she added was to try out for Shark Tank because it was a family show that we always watched together. To go from an elementary school science fair to Shark Tank is quite a journey. So naturally, Lori and her family wanted to make sure they knew what they were getting into. So at first, we, we were unsure. Do we keep pushing through to go through this? Because we really wanted our kids to still just be kids. We wanted them to get to play. We loved them having just kind of downtime where they could do whatever they wanted to do. We enjoy the beach. We enjoy surfing. So that was kind of a big decision that we had to make. We thought, okay, if we continue, it's just going to basically be time and learning. So our goal was always give her time and allow her to learn. So we find a 3D printer in Hawaii because we wanted to do everything where Cassidy could physically be there. She got to see her first print hot off the press. You know, she stood on a chair, looked in the 3D printer. So that was really fun and cool. Then we got the patent and she sat in on all of those meetings. Wasn't that interesting to her for that kind of stuff. But I think she heard some terms and learned things. And then we found a manufacturer in the U.S. We actually flew to Albany, New York, and we got to spend a day there. Cassidy was talking with the engineers and learning the whole process of the manufacturing. But along every step of the way, she was also telling her story, you know, why she created the baby tune and what her intention and desire of moving forward would be. And now her last step was to try out for Shark Tank. At that time, they were still doing live auditions. We'd YouTube it and see, whoa, that looks so cool. There were hundreds of people in these big conference halls. There were auditions all over the U.S., so they chose Las Vegas so they could all fly there together as a family. When she actually has to do her audition pitch, really, honestly, she nails it. She's like, I'm confident. I know my stuff. This is it. I'm, I'm selling you on my product again. Two months go by. They're finishing all of their other live auditions, and we get a call back. So at that time, we're like, I can't believe it. We're actually moving on. Next thing you know, we're flying to California to film for Shark Tank season 11. Now it's, I think it's like the reality hits because you're now there. You go and rehearse, you see the set. And so now she's actually getting kind of scared. And I'm super scared. I'm tired. I'm like, what have we done? You know, we were so naive to just follow our little seven-year-old's passion and here she is 10 years old it's like the never-ending journey that we decided to take for her learning experience so we're waiting behind the brown doors Cassidy is so nervous we're the first pitch of the day I remember holding her hand and I'm like don't worry like your goal was to try out look you're here you've surpassed your goal already and she's like, I know, I know, I know, but I just don't want to mess up. I just told Cassidy, you're 10 years old. You really have nothing to lose. And when we were in the tank, the sharks, they really did challenge her. But Cassidy was a pro. She knew all of the answers. She could just explain her story and confidently tell them what her business was about. And I really think that Cassidy got a deal at the end of the day because she was confident, she knew her product, she knew her business. And I think they invested more in her and that process over the product. 
Selling your idea on national television is something anyone would be intimidated by. But Cassidy somehow had the confidence to just go out and do it at the age of 10. It really was about the journey and the experiences and the process that she went through that actually helped her become confident. Just try. That's Cassidy's quote. Just try because you never know unless you try. And she certainly wouldn't have gotten to where she was if she didn't have that attitude. When I'm around a confident person, it's like this this energy that they have and how they carry themselves. And I think that's what I see in Cassidy or feel. It's almost a feeling. Her success didn't end at Shark Tank. Cassidy went on to sell the baby tune at top retailers all across the USA. She still tells her story as often as she can and especially loves doing talks with other kids to teach them about her science fair success. I mean, talk about trust in this family that they had in their daughter's idea and their willingness to go all in on this. And look where it took them. So ultimately, confidence is shorthand for experience, letting our kids take risks, even fail, so they can understand their skills and feel confident in what they know and what they don't know. We can help them build confidence every single day. And we hope you feel more confident in how you can share this with your kids. And that's the show. Thanks for taking a wild ride with us. And we want to thank Suzanne Brown and Lori Crowley for joining us. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, share it with your friends, with your play group, spread the word. And thank you to Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. You can find all your favorite Munchkin products at Walmart. At Stroller Coaster, we're all about community. We want to hear from you. So if you have a question or a topic you want to hear more about, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Just email us at podcast at munchkin.com. Lynn, we've got big news about Storytime, our podcast that's for kids and parents that uh, features improv actors doing our version of classic kids' stories. We just released a brand new episode. Um, It's our take on the tortoise and the hare. It's called The Turtle (laughs) and the Rabbit. Just a little update. And it answers the question, what happens when a rabbit can't stop looking at his phone? Spoiler, he loses. Here's a clip. Once upon a time, there was a rabbit. Hey, hey. Who wasn't very nice. I don't like sharing. I knock over sandcastles. I leave blocks out for parents to step on. Oh, that hurts. (laughs) All right, spoiler alert taken. Justin, where can we find it? It's right here in the same feed. It's called Stroller Coaster Storytime. Give it a listen. Before we go, Munchkin invites you to join us in helping make the planet a better place for our kids. Support organizations that protect animals and their natural habitat, like IFAW the International Fund for Animal Welfare. And now that you're ready to do something for the planet, here's something you can do for yourself. Take a time out. Today we're skimming stones along the northern shores of Lake Superior. It's the world's largest freshwater lake and it's home to over 20 species of shorebirds. Let's wander along the water's edge and take in some of the beautiful sounds of this idyllic spot. 